Today, today. Will you turn in the word of God to that passage of scripture that we read together earlier on, the book of Lamentations and chapter 3. What do you do when troubles come? When the heart aches and you know not where to turn? What do you do when the wheels are coming off your life? What do you do when you've dug yourself into a pit of your own making and you wish you could reverse what you have done? What do you do when depression strikes and it struck many dear believers down through the years and in our present day? What do you do when pain comes and you can't think or even pray? What do you do if you're a believer in the Ukraine today? You've lost everything. No possibility of idolatry now. What do you do if you're in hiding in Afghanistan? Knowing that if found, that will be the end of your earthly life. Or if you're in one of the labour camps in North Korea, because you are a believer in the glorious person of the Lord Jesus. Well, I want you to come back with me to 588 BC to a man called Jeremiah and to the book of Lamentations, which has been described as the funeral eulogy for the city of Jerusalem. It's indeed a very grim book. And Jeremiah describes it exactly how it is. And he begins chapter 3 by writing in such a way as to identify himself personally with the people of Jerusalem. In verse 1 he says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. It's a grim portion of the word of God verse 17 you have moved my soul far from peace I have forgotten prosperity and I said my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord remember my affliction and roaming the wormwood and the gall and the first thing we notice is the absolute honesty of this man and we have to be honest before God But then there begins to be light in the most terrible and the most awful darkness. And in verse 21 he says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Now the words in the original language here are very strong. And they have the idea of digging deeply, looking for treasure. In other words, a great effort is being made here to call these things to mind. In other words, he has a walk down memory lane. He remembers the Lord of the past. And he sees light beginning to shine upon his soul. Through the Lord's great mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. 
He directs his gaze not to his troubles but to heaven. And he looks up and he sees and reminds himself of the great mercies of God, of the great love of God, of the great compassion of God. Because of the mercies of God we're not consumed. He looks realistically at his situation. But then he comes up with this most tremendous statement of the most glorious hope in the midst of the greatest darkness. He remembers the covenant God of Israel. He remembers the one who had redeemed them and guided them and promised to guide them in years past to the promised land. Yahweh has not destroyed us totally. And when troubles come, we can so be taken up with the present as to forget the past. Because every day we are to remember how good God has been to us. How good he has been in saving us, in singling us out in this world in which we live. And in showing us something of his great mercy. And applying the precious blood to our souls. And enabling us to say it is well. It is well with my soul. I have a dear believer in our own fellowship. Who has gone through a great deal of turmoil this morning. In recent days. And as we were driving here this morning. Jean was able to read out from our WhatsApp from her. It is well with my soul. We are to remember that. We are to come daily for new mercies. We are not to live on past mercies. We are to look down the past and thank God for every one of them. But we need every day the fresh outpouring of grace. Every day needs fresh grace. We thank God for past mercies and past compassions. But we thank God that we have an inexhaustible God. And when we fall and when we falter, those mercies are ever there. And we are reminded that mercies are for the undeserving. None of us, not one of us, has any claim on them. And we would have no complaint if those mercies ceased. But they never will. Because God adapts them to our every need. And his mercies are proof of his faithfulness. We think of the faithfulness of a dog. A faithful dog is always there for its master, isn't it? Cats, they say, go where they're fed. But a dog is a faithful friend. And we have a God who is always there with and for his people. And he's with his people in the greatest trials. As he was with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in that burning fiery furnace. There was one there. And he's with his people in the greatest trials. And his faithfulness is rooted in his mercy. 
And the wonderful thing is this, it does not depend on our faithfulness. If it depended on our faithfulness, where would we be? It's rooted in his grace and it's rooted in his mercy. And why are you here this morning? Why am I here this morning? Because there's something good in you and me. No, we are here because of the faithfulness of God. There's one who down through the century, down through the years, in spite of all the problems and difficulties and heartaches that we've gone through, and different ones have different stories to tell. There has been a faithful God who's ordered things in our lives in order that we might experience his great compassion and in order that we might realise our total dependence on him. We think of his amazing faithfulness. In Psalm 119, verses 89 and 90, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. Your faithfulness. God is never called out. God is never surprised. God never has to say with Boris Johnson, I've made mistakes. God's faithfulness is rooted in the fact that his word is settled in heaven. And in spite of circumstances, he's always true to his word. Now when the land of Israel was divided among the tribes, no inheritance was assigned to the tribe of Levi. The Levites will be scattered among the people of God, but no provision will be made for them, because Yahweh alone was their portion. Yahweh alone will be their inheritance. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Yahweh satisfies the soul. And we thank God this morning for the satisfaction that the glorious person of the Lord Jesus gives to the souls of his people. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. And you see how Jeremiah puts it. The Lord is my portion. Verse 24. The Lord is my portion says my soul now a portion is a quota of something or an, act, or an allocation and therefore God and especially in the new covenant God in Christ is that allocation is that portion delighting their soul it's worthy of our care a portion was worthy of the care and the attention of the people. It was not to be sold or taken away like Nabal's vineyard. And all around Jeremiah, there was despair. Jeremiah sees it all. He sees the great and terrible judgments poured out on Jerusalem. 
And now he recalls something else. In verse 25 he said, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And God is never anything but good. And we must never be inward looking. We must always be upward looking. And we must always be outward looking. Now there was a man in history called John Owen. If you want to have your mind stretched, you can read some of his works on the internet. All 16 volumes are on the internet. I recommend you look at volume 16 on the doctrine of scripture. Most profound theologian was John Owen. And yet he had tragedy in his life. His wife had 11 children and he watched all 11 children die in his lifetime. He watched his wife die in his lifetime too. And in 1662, in the great ejection from the Church of England, he was thrown out of his employment and thrown out of his home. But this is what he says. If we are satisfied with vague ideas about him, we shall find no transforming power communicated to us. But when we cling wholeheartedly to him, and our minds are filled with thoughts of delight in him, then spiritual power will flow from him to purify our hearts, increase our holiness, strengthen our graces, and sometimes fill us with joy unspeakable. Now that man knew what he was talking about. And are there not times, my friends, when you and I have known what it is to be really low and suddenly there is one who will not let us go, who comes to us and meets with us. Because not only does the Lord save us, the Lord keeps us. And oh, that in these dark days, that the Lord would truly be our portion. You see what John Owen is really saying? He is my portion. In spite of the fact that I have to see all my 11 children in the grave, and in spite of the fact I have to see my own dear wife in the grave, in spite of the fact I've been ejected from the Church of England, Yahweh is my portion. And God is God. I want to say a word to unbelievers here this morning. I cannot offer you an easy life. There may well be great heartaches. And there may well be great trouble. And some people do not know what trouble is until they become Christians. You may find people in opposition to you, even in your own family. But I can tell you this, you will have God as your portion. And you will have a precious Christ who will always be available to you. And you will know him to be a good God. 
And because he is a good God, he offers you salvation here this morning in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus. And I beg you to come, to come today, to come now, to come to Calvary. Because he is so good that he has sent his Son to be the Saviour of sinners. Come to him today. Come now. But there is a great cost in being a Christian. Jesus taught the cost. But there is no more glorious a life. And I commend the Christian life to you. But more than that, I commend Christ to you as the only and all-sufficient Saviour. Because he alone can deal with your greatest problem, the problem of sin. But what should we be praying for believers in the Ukraine, in North Korea, in Afghanistan? That what was true of Jeremiah might be true of them, that God might be their portion, that the Lord Jesus might be their all in all, that they might know the presence of a precious Christ even when everything is lost. There was that great man called Eric Little. And that film, Chariots of Fire, was written about him. You know the story well, how there was an Olympian. He was a great runner. He became a missionary to China. And for ten years he taught in a school in China. And then further afield he went in frontline evangelism in that needy land. It was a challenging and dangerous work. He was captured by the Japanese with other Westerners and he was put in a squalid camp and he became a self-sacrificing leader in the camp. And he died of a brain tumour at the young age of 43. He never saw the youngest of his three daughters his wife and children had returned to Canada before the Japanese rounded up the foreigners. Didn't the Lord withhold from him a long life of years of fruitful service, the joy of rearing his own children? Let me tell you what his greatest and most favourite hymn was. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, your best, your heavenly friend. Through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul, your God will undertake. To guide the future as he has the past. Your hope, your confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know. His voice who roared them while he dwelt below. Be still, my soul. The hour is hastening on. When we shall be forever with the Lord, 
When disappointment, grief and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored, be still my soul when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed, we shall meet at last. Where was his greatest work done? On the running track with people cheering him along the way, no, my friends, it was in the squalor of a POW camp where he lived for Christ in the most terrible and the most awful conditions and daily knew the faithfulness of God and daily knew the Lord as his portion and daily knew the keeping hand of God even when he came to die of a brain tumour at that young age. He was able to apply the word in his darkest hour when all around my soul gives way he then is all my hope and stay he is our portion we are to live upon him we are to rejoice in him we are to look to him he alone must be our all in all. My friend Carol Munson is looking forward to seeing the one who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the greater than Prince Charles. And so the believer looks forward to that great and glorious day. A man cannot deprive us of it. Troubles cannot take it away. And trials can come and can make that portion more precious. Because in the midst of trial, we get the right priorities. And whatever's happening to us, it won't be forever. And we need to have eternal realities in view. What are our sufferings? Compared with the sufferings of the glorious person of the Lord Jesus there is absolute, absolutely no comparison. This life is the womb of eternity. I had a friend and he was a multi-millionaire. He'd been a barrister at the Old Bailey. Extremely wealthy man owned a lot of property in Westminster had a magnificent stamp collection they used to come and show it to me he left me with an album once and I looked at it and I reckon it was worth £10,000 one day he um, he had to pay me some money and he got out six checkbooks and he said now which one is going to be the least painful But he died last November. None of it went beyond the grave. It's going in Sphinx's auction, I was told recently. But we have a greater treasure than that, don't we? We have a treasure that goes beyond the grave. In fact, we are waiting for the full enjoyment of our inheritance. 
And while we are here, there may be trials and tribulations, there may be perplexities, we may not know what God is doing, but we know the end result. And we have in the word of God promises to help us in every trial. And a God who adapts his grace to meet our every need. And to help us in every difficulty. And we are to rest upon the promises of God. And we are to remember who we are. We are his children. And we are to ever have before us the sufferings of our beloved Saviour. Because nothing that we can ever be called upon to endure in this world even compares with the sufferings of Christ. And when we look at his sufferings, we see how much he loves his people deeply, passionately, even though they were the most unlovable. And therefore, let us look beyond the difficulties and the dangers and the weaknesses. And even if you're in a hole that you've dug for yourself, grace is still available in Christ. Make God your portion. And I pray that you'll know an inner strength that only he can give. The reports that I've heard about Ukraine is this. The church is alive and well. People are packing churches out to hear the word of God. Whatever we own in this world, it can be lost. But thank God the believer can never lose so great salvation. Thank God we have a secure and a certain treasure that no one can take away from us. And thank God that down through the generations that that has been the case, we are the most secure people in the world. And thank God that we can look up to that glorious day and we shall see John Owen in the glory and we shall see Eric Liddell in the glory. And we shall see every other believer in the glory. Many of them will have come through great tribulation. Many dear believers will have come through great tribulation in Myanmar. You heard about it recently, two weeks ago here. I did listen in now and again. And in other parts of the world. And I'll be all around that glorious world. What is this life? It is but a breath. And one day, my friends, we shall be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And one day there will be that new heaven and that new earth. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. We deserve to be, but we're not. 
because his compassions found. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. We are to hope in God in every and any situation. Let us pray. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou so disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the help of my countenance. O Lord our God, we bless you. That there is a love that will not let us go. And we bless you that every believer has that treasure within. There are many changing scenes of life. And we do not always understand what you are doing. All Joseph had were those dreams and perhaps some hounded down things from Abraham. And yet you were with him in that prison in Egypt and oh God in heaven we do pray for believing people who are going through great trial that you might be their portion and they might know that your mercy is on you every morning and that they might know that you are ever a faithful God here as we ask in Jesus 